So we're excited about what God's doing. Um, I just pray that we'll finish strong this last week of our prayer and fasting. It'll conclude on Saturday. So let's finish strong. Chad, stand to your feet today, my brother. He is bringing the concluding sermon next week. So uh, it's going to be his first time preaching. So everybody uh, come and hear that message. Uh, Today, I want to talk about vision. I want to talk about vision. Um, I've been feeling all week that God wants to take this last week of this prayer and fasting because so many of you are so tuned in. So many of you are so sensitive and, and feeling that alertness in your spirit. And that's what prayer and fasting does. That now is a good time to be talking about vision. What is the vision of my life? And I started in my, no, in my notes by saying, what is your big picture? What's your YBD? What's your y, YDP? What's your B? Whatever. Your big picture. What's your big picture? And then last night... I was sound asleep, and I'm not kidding, a a, a rumbling voice just came into my, and it woke me up. It may sound a little crazy, but just a rumbling voice woke me up at like three in the morning and said, I have a vision for people to do. Whew, it's still hitting me. I have a vision for people to do. And I knew that it was God's voice speaking to me, and he really convicted me about saying, what's your big picture? And I felt like we needed to change it to what's God's big picture. What is God's big picture? And I really heard this scripture. After he said that to me, he said, for it's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of your work so that no one can boast in their salvation. For we are God's handiwork or workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do, everybody say to do, to do good works, which God, this really hit me, which God prepared in advance. I need you to say that to do. Say that with me too, which God prepared for me in advance. Think about that. He prepared in advance for us to do. So right now, you know, the scripture said that Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. And right now, many of us have come from many different backgrounds. And many of us have different stories and we have different life lessons and life stories that have happened to us. So we all have somewhere that we've come from. But I want to ask you today, where are you going? Jesus knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going. You know, I'm somebody that's kind of been directionally challenged, you might say. I grew up in Lamar, Missouri, and everything was flat. You could see for miles. I mean, when dad said go from point A to point B, you could see point B. But man, I married a Branson woman where they have trees and hills and curves. And so I, 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 I was so directionally challenged when I went to Branson, Missouri, because I'd always been in the flatlands that I didn't ever know where I was at or where I was going. I remember one time I went squirrel hunting. Yep, let me tell you a story about a man named Jed. Poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. That was me and my wife when we... 
when we got married. Uh, and so we shot us some squirrels. Never hit any oil, but we hit some squirrels. And so uh, you ate squirrels? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I did. But anyway, um, so anyway, I went hunting one time. And I was up and over these hills and all over the place. And then all of a sudden it was starting to get dark. And I was like, oh crud, which way's home? I, I didn't have a clue. Then my heartbeat started. It started beating and I started freaking out. I was like, man, I don't even know which way is home. And my dog happened to come by and I said, Noah, go home. And he just looked at me and tried to lick on me and stuff. And I said, Noah go home. And I swatted him. And then, man, he took off running, and I took off chasing that dog up and down hills and around this, and it came out right at our trailer. I was actually a hillbilly, lived in a trailer. <laughs> took, took us out right at our trailer. And so, I've always just been kind of that directionally challenged. I remember one time I was in, in uh, Wyoming, and I went elk hunting. You know, that like freaked me out to where I was scared to be in the woods after that. And people would say, hey, you want to go hunting? I was like, I really didn't want to go hunting anymore because the woods scared me to death. I'm not kidding. Wait, wait, we're out in Wyoming. And the guy's like, the guy's like, hey, you walk this way and I'm going to be about 100, 200 yards down. And we're just going to kind of walk through the woods this way. And man, that guy, if, he, if, if I couldn't see his orange from here to that wall, I was cheating over. And he'd be like, get over, get over. But, but this that directionally challenged thing. But you know, a lot of us have that directionally challenged thing going on. We have that directionally challenged thing. But aren't you glad today that the Holy Spirit knows the way and that the Holy Spirit can be our navigator? Jesus said, he knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going. You know, in our past, everybody's got one. In our past, we've all got the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many can, can identify with that? We got the good, we got the good going on. You know, some of us, you may have been blessed with some good, where you had good friends. One of my best friends always said, my mom was like an angel, my mom was truly, I really thought my mom was really an angel. And then I thought about my granddad. My granddad went to all of my track meets, all of my football games. If I ever was messed up, I went to granny and granddad's. I had some, I, taught, I, had, I had amazing grandparents. I had amazing parents. I had a lot of good in my life to where I was like, man, I can follow them I can imitate them, I can emu emulate them, I can be like them. But you know, a lot of people have a lot of bad in our past, where we know where we came from. Maybe your, maybe your past was bad. Maybe you were like this story Billy told about, where he didn't have any example. Maybe your dad was a drunk and a liar, undependable, an undependable old man. Maybe you had a parent that always put work in front. Maybe you had a parent that didn't nurture you. And, and so you looked for love and all the But maybe it was bad. Maybe you had this angry mom. This angry mom that was always yelling at you. And you had a big old fight every day before you went to school. Maybe the good or the bad. You know what? On the bad, you will either imitate the bad or you'll be the exact opposite. Are you all with me? We either imitate the bad or we're the exact opposite. Or maybe it's just plumb ugly. 
when you look back at your past, it's just plum ugly. Maybe there's abuse. Maybe it was bullying, bullying in school. Do you know bullying in school can affect you even as an adult? I'll never forget when Megyn Kelly said she was interviewing one of our presidents, one of our past presidents. She was interviewing him, and this person had a personality that was real strong and dominating, and she had flashbacks to being in junior high and being bullied to where she was unable to even do the interview because insecurity and fear hit her. You know, maybe there's some bad. Maybe there's some ugly. Maybe there's abuse. Maybe whatever it is. But I want to I wrote this down. We have to decide today. Jesus knew where he came from. We have to decide today, will my past define my future or will I take my past and let it redefine my future? I want to say that again. Will my past define my future or will I take my past and let it redefine my future into the person that I want to be? I also wrote this down. You can't change where you came from, but you can change where you're going. I really believe that. Jesus knew where he came from. And he knew where he was going. So I really felt the Lord say, man, I have a vision for these people to do. Not your vision, but what, what is God's vision? Can you say, like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, can you say, Father, not my will be done, but let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, some of you might even be in that place where you're wrestling. So during this prayer and fasting, I really believe that God said, I'm bringing clarity to vision. How many want that? I'm bringing clarity. Clarity of vision, I wrote this down. Clarity of vision to me is just three quick things. It's knowing what you want your future to look like and you're taking steps to get there. Clarity of vision is you know what you want and you know the steps that you're trying to do to get there. Clarity of vision requires an investment in time and education to truly understand what you're chasing, what you're going after. Clarity of vision, it requires, listen to this, saying no to the things that can distract us and having a strong heart that no matter what, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to keep my eyes on the price. You know, people with a clear vision, they know what they want. And they know where they're going. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this. If you want to look at this in your Bible or on the screen. Don't you realize that every, that in every, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. Paul said, so run the race to win. You know, there's a level playing field. When it comes to God, it doesn't matter your background, how much money you came from, who your parents was. There is a level playing ground for everybody to succeed. Everybody has the same opportunity in God. But the people that are going to succeed are going to put their eyes on the prize and they're going to keep focused and not get distraction. They're going to know what God wants for them and they're going to stay on that and they're going to run this race to win. Anybody out there that wants to win in this race? I'm going to run to win. You know, the Bible says that all athletes have to be disciplined in training. If you're going to be a winner, you got to have some discipline in your life. There has to be discipline and train. They do it to win a prize that'll fade away. But we got to be disciplined because we're doing it to win a prize that has an eternal purpose. Anybody with me say amen. So I run 
this really hit me, with purpose in every step. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm just not out here shadow boxing, just throwing my arms around. My desti- the destination is acquired, it's learned, it's attained by these steps, and I am clear in these steps. It's a description of a series of major steps that I need to take. It's not just throwing some wild punches in the wind. It's intentional, it's planned, and it has distinct action. How many want to be a winner? There's a discipline to it. That's what that discipline means. So I run this way every step with purpose. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. This discipline right here is very interesting in the original writing. It means that we discipline like a, bo- like a boxer buffets his body. Going to the Chinese restaurant, eating all he can. No, buffet, not a buffet. We're not talking about a buffet. A disciplined boxer doesn't go to the Chinese buffet and have the foot-long coney dog with chili and cheese on it and pour on cheese on the french fries okay it's not buffet but it's buffet you know what that buffet means that buffet I buffet my body it means you handle it roughly did you know the bible says that your body is the exact opposite of your spirit most of the time what the holy spirit wants and what, your, what the Holy Spirit wants and what your spirit wants to do, the obedience in the inside, the real you, most of the time, your flesh is completely against it. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit, they oppose each other. They're on opposite ends of the, of the, of the spectrum here. Everybody's like, well, my flesh is, is with me. No, your flesh is something you got to deal roughly with. Your flesh is something you got to shake up. You got to smack it in the head. That's why, that's why fasting is so important. Because fasting is when your flesh says, Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, your stomach's drowning. I'm hungry. You're not eating. Oh, I am going to eat because I'm hungry. No, you're not going to eat. I'm fasting. Fasting, one of the reasons is, it, is it's dealing hard blows. It's the, the, the Greek even said it's punching to the point of black and blue. You punch, your, you punch it to the point of black and blue, driving it into subjection. And so fasting is a way that y- your, your body gets used to. If you go fasting like we have, you not only lose 35 pounds, about what I won't tell you how much Carmen's lost but you lose a lot of weight I won't tell she won't tell me her weight anyway she just tells me how much she loses but you you do lose weight you do lose weight you do lose weight but but the other thing you gain is you've put your taken your flesh out of the driver's seat to where you've been saying no to eating you're not eating well yes I am you're not eating well yes you are to where you want to look at that girl? Oh, no, you're not. Well, you do want to take that second look at it. Well, no, you're not. Well, I am going to take a like, third look at that girl. Boom. No, you're not. It's a discipline. It's to beat black and blue. It's to strike in the eye, to treat severely. It's disciplined by hardship. It, the Greek even says this. It's to give one an intolerant annoyance. 
In other words, it's to beat one. It, it's, you beat it so strong with so much repetition, repetition to the point where you're exhausted. Have you ever had somebody just in your ear where they exhaust you? How many of your children ever exhaust you to the point where, you, oh, I don't care. Just do what you want to do. Come already. Well, that's kind of what this is. You beat that flesh with such a repetition and such a practice that you push it to the limits. The other thing in the Greek, there was three things. The third thing is, is when you're beating it, metamorph, meta, 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 thank you. A body, it, it, it talks about a body that's terribly scourged and afflicted by war. That this body bears marks of pain at the highest level. And it raises a high tolerance to war and being a good warrior. Are y'all with me? I think that's a powerful description. That, that your, your, your body has been beaten and scourged and so much to the point that you bear scars, that you are disciplined and you are an incredible warrior. Paul said everyone runs the race, but only one gets the prize. How many out there are going to run to win? We're going to run to win. Okay, the second thing Paul said is people with clear vision, uh, they know what they want and they know where they're going. The second thing is they strip off every weight that hinders them. Paul said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. How many want to win the race? Quit carrying that dead body of sin. Do you know where, when Paul says this in Romans, how many know the scripture where Paul said, the things that I want to do, I can't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Man, I want to live with God on the inside, but on the outside, I've got this worn against me. I delight in the will of God, but my, on the outside members, where Paul was just a pull back and forth. To one time, he finally said, who in the world is going to deliver me from this body of death. Paul even called this a body of death. Some of you are too nice to your flesh. Oh, you poor thing. Let me feed you some food for comfort. Let me, let me. No, you need to punch it in the eye and say, straighten up. Seriously, your flesh opposes the things of the spirit. We're, we're too kind. I want you all leaving here with a black eye. <laughs> a big old, but anyway, uh, do you know where Paul said the body of death? If you study it out, you can't really prove this, but a lot of theologians think this. Back in that day, back in the day when that was written, if you committed murder, what they would do is they would tie that body to you that you murdered. And you had to carry it around. You had to carry it around. It would, it would decay. It would stink. It, it, would, it was heavy. And you had to carry it around to where the person that committed the murder, a lot of them would die of exhaustion, they would die of contamination, or they would die of disease because they were bound to this body of death. Guys, we need to strip off those things which are decaying us spiritually. We need to strip off the disease. We need to strip off the weight. We need to strip some things off. If anybody's going to win this race, we got to run to win. 
Get some of that stuff stripped off. People with clear vision. It blew my mind when they sang Refiner's Fire today. In fact, they were going to sing three songs and the third song just didn't work out and I'm glad it didn't work out. I liked it that we only had two songs today. I liked it and I, I was running sound and I watched and I was like, man, I hope the people are hearing this message. How many were touched by that song, Refiner's Fire? Here's the interesting thing about that. They threw their, that song in at the last minute. They, they, they said, man, we feel like we're supposed to sing this song. And I came in and said, are you guys singing that song this morning? And they go, yeah, that's my next point. People with clear vision understand the refining process. So the Bible says, so truly be glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have, have to endure many trials for a little while. How many say that you've had trials in life? How many say, Claudia, I see you. Claudia, stand up so everybody knows who you are. This is the lady we're praying with that her husband is coming out of a coma. Amen? Okay, she's in a trial right now. She's in a heavy trial right now. Uh, you can sit down. But she is so, so strong. You may be enduring many trials right now, and it says for a little while. It says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as if fire is test, as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials. I mean, some of us get our feelings hurt by our friends and we quit the faith. Some of us, some of us uh, uh, have a little bit of temptation and we have a little bit of struggle and we fall. And we do some wrong things and we just give up. So some of, we, we just have so many things, we just, to, just a little bit of trial, a little bit of test. But the Bible says that when we endure these trials and testings, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Guys, everybody's life is a melting pot. Everybody. Something that one of my best friends told me, he said, Brian, everybody at church is broken. Don't you think that there's anybody that doesn't have some type of brokenness? Everybody's broken. Everybody in here has somewhere brokenness in your heart. God takes and puts us in a melting pot. And sometimes the heat has tur gets turned up. You know, sometimes the very thing that God wants to skim. I remember when I was like, God, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be mean anymore. I don't want to have a temper where I grit my teeth and chip my teeth out and spit my teeth on the ground. True story. I don't want to, to, to black out in such rage and beat somebody with a boot or, and, and beat and plummet somebody to the point that you can't hardly recognize them. I don't want to have to spend 21 days in detention for fighting all true stories because I was filled with such rage and anger. And I remember saying, God, deliver me. I can't have that character as a Christian. I can't have that character. I don't want to yell at my wife and be mean to her. I don't want to yell at the children. It's my issue. I don't want that anymore. You know, when you pray that, 
Sometimes God turns the heat up to where things that make you angry are on every turn. To where, and you're like, God, I thought you was delivering me. He is. He is. The heat raises these things. Guys, there are things that's buried in us that God's heat wants to raise up the, these impurities. And then he'll, I, I had a vision of this. When I was 20 years old, I had a list of stuff that needed to come out of my life. And when God raises the heat in my life, these things came up. And one day I saw a vision and I saw these things coming up and I saw the names, anger, rage, all these different things, drunkenness, all this stuff just kept coming up. And then I saw a big old hand go like this and just pulled and just skim like taking cream off milk, just went like that, had all this dross and then it just went like, just flipped it on the ground. And then in this vision, I saw these two hands take that gold and turn it up. And then I saw a big smile of God and I felt it in my heart. And he said, oh, now I can see a reflection of me in you. Refining fire. Quit blaming your wife. Quit blaming your husband. Quit blaming society. Even if it's abuse, you even got to let that go if you're ever going to be healthy and whole. God's in the business. Man, he can, take, he can take your past. It may be good, but it may be bad, and it may be just darn right ugly. But he can take that, and he can change it, and he can make something new. God told me one time, he said, I never waste a hurt. Never. God never wastes a hurt. You think of some of the, if you've been through divorce, if you've been through, think of your worst case, whatever it is. God, how he doesn't waste that hurt is he not only heals you to where Paul said, I now bear in my body the mark of the Lord. That meant a, the scar of the Lord. And we've talked about scars before where I pull my jeans up and I say, hey, that scar right there on my kneecap is when my mom yelled at me at J.C. Penney's when I was 10 years old. And she said, Brian, you get over here. I'm going to give you a whooping. And right when she started to whip me, I broke away from her and I went and jumped under some clothes. Well, underneath some clothes was a razor blade and it cut my knee open and um, mom ran me to the girls' bathroom and everybody was fainting and no, they weren't really fainting. And they took me in the emergency room, got my knee stitched. Well, if I pulled my, my pants up, I bear in my body a scar. Really, mom was mad and I was in trouble and it wasn't a good thing. But it's something we laugh about now. It's not an open wound. You can just bear in your body a scar of a memory, it's just a memory, but it doesn't rob your sleep anymore. It doesn't torment you anymore. It doesn't make you fearful and go in an anxiety attack to when a, something triggers your memories or triggers your thoughts 
to where you live life handicapped. God can make it a scar. And the neatest thing is once he does that, the reason he doesn't waste, he never wastes an affliction. He never wastes an affliction. He never wastes a hurt. The next thing is, is not only is it just a scar, you're able to help someone else. You're able to help someone else. This message is kind of taking a different turn than what I had written down, but um, some of you have heard this story, but I just feel the Holy Spirit say, say it. When I was in Wyoming, I worked at a homeless mission. And um, actually I had three jobs. I worked at UPS from 12 o'clock at night till 3 in the morning, UPS. And then I worked at a homeless mission. I, I, I was, I was uh, over food to feed over 130 people. And then also I was the pastor on campus for 130 homeless people. <clears throat> Plus I pastored a church in Wyoming. So I had three jobs. But anyway, um, I remember I was in the kitchen and they came in and they said, Pastor Brian, you need to get upstairs quick. Get upstairs quick. And so I ran upstairs and there was this lady in there that was just, she was in her 20s and she, she had just been violently raped. And when I walked in, I, I mean, I even reached out to her and jump and found out later that I even reminded her of what the guy looked like. So here we got a woman that's been violently raped right on the scene, a man walking in that reminds her of the man that just raped her trying to minister to us. How well do you think I did? Does it matter I was ordained to preach? Does it matter that I had de degree in, in degrees in theology? Did, did any of that do any good? Didn't do a, didn't do a bit of good. Did being a senior pastor and having all these years of experience do any good? No. I left the room and I went down to my good friend, Marty Carpenter, who loved the Lord. And I said, Marty, and I told her the story. And she was like, oh, can, she looked at me and she said, can I go up there and try? And I said, of course. I'll never forget, I was just peeking through the door. I'll never forget, Marty Carpenter walked in. The girl was sitting there. Marty sat down right in front of her. I'll never forget. She took her. She went like this, and then she went like this, and then she pulled her skirt up, and she leaned in, and she grabbed her hands, and she said, Honey, I know what you're going through right now. It happened to me. She said, My uncle molested me. A family member molested me as a teenager. I was... Sexually abused. I, guys, this is a true story. I became pregnant, carried a baby, full nine months pregnancy, carried the baby, had the baby, put the baby up for adoption. We're talking probably a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Put the baby up for adoption. My parents are both deceased, and they never knew that I was ever pregnant. She, she carried that. She never told anybody. Think about that. Think about that. But she took that pain that God had healed. 
And she took it and made a blessing to others. Are you all with me? There's a refining fire. There's a refining fire. Don't be afraid of the refining process that stimulates the character of the Lord. Um, You know, let's just stop there. There's a couple more points, but I think that's good enough for today. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I just pray that everybody here, that you would be able to say, not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. I pray that you would be able to say this today. Lord, you said you wanted to give vision. You told my pastor, I want to give you vision. I want, can you say, not your big picture, but can you say, God, what is your big picture? Right now, right now, can, can, can you put your big picture down, your idea, and you could say, God, what's, what's yours? What's your vision for my life? And I guarantee you that when you come in a place of transparency and openness before the Lord, he will speak to you. If I would just be quiet just a minute, and for people that seriously said, Lord, what's your big picture? What's your big plan for me to do? He may say, man, you as an addict, a drug or an alcohol addict, and I want to set you free. You might not even be free yet. He might, not, he might say, I not only want to set you free, I want you to go get a degree, and I want you to give your life to help people that are addicted. You, you, your, your marriage may be in chaos today where you feel like you don't even want to stay in it. You may be at a place you feel like, I don't love, I don't respect, nothing anymore. I'm done. Wait a second. I believe the Lord is saying to some people, till death do you part. Till death do you part. I believe the Lord's saying to some people, when you remember your commitments in, in sickness or in pain, and what is the other, in, in goodness or what is it? How's it? Sickness or health and good times or bad times, whatever. I'm committed to you. Maybe you're in that process right now. Maybe God's vision is that you stay in that marriage. And right now, He can give you those steps. One step might be forgiveness. Again, I already have forgiven. Yeah, again. How many times does the Lord forgive you? Whatever it is. I believe God wants to maybe put a marriage back together. And then he wants to take your bonehead decisions and your bonehead ways that you got delivered from. And then someday you'll be helping young married couples and other couples be whole. That's God's will, that kind of stuff. Come on. Refiner's fire. Refiner's. Let there be a refining fire. If you're an angry elf, how many like that movie Elf? Ooh, he's an angry elf. <laughs> He's an angry elf. If you're an angry elf, 
Will you let God skim that off? Flip his hand? Turn that melting pot up and see a reflection of him. Can you guys sing that song again? We're going to sing it in a minute. Not, not real loud yet. <laughs> 